You're listening to The Creators Channel. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Creators Channel. My name is Chris Kelly with ProductionCreate.com. And today we are joined by Caleb Natale. Caleb is a visual effects artist. He is an animator. He is a filmmaker. He is a father and a husband, clearly juggling a lot of stuff. Caleb, welcome to the show. Good to have you here. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Totally. Um, so, Caleb, I've been following your work for a while, but I was never actually using Vine. It kind of came and went before I even got a foot in the door. Um, is that? It seems like that's kind of where you got your start. Yeah. So I was making stuff before then, uh, but Vine was definitely the place where I I began having exposure to a point I I hadn't before. Like I was posting random stuff on YouTube. Uh, a lot of stuff just for home, not for like the internet. Uh, but Vine was definitely the first place where I kind of put my foot in the door as far as uh, exposure online. Yeah. So for those um, who don't know Caleb's work, Caleb does a lot of, I, I kind of describe it as like a visual effects magician, right? Where it's, it's sure. usually like a short clip and there's usually some cool visual trick for even like a visual effects artist who knows how a lot of things are done, it's it's not obvious how it was accomplished. Do you say that's a fair way to kind of describe your work? Yeah, yeah, I definitely think that's fair. Yeah, and it's because of its short form, it seems to exist and thrive on platforms such as Instagram, um, Twitter, and TikTok as well, which seems to be kind of a newer platform. But I think you have like 1.4 million followers there already. Yeah, that's correct. Dude, that's awesome. So. So you joined TikTok in, I think it was like March, 2019 that I read. So it's been a little over a year and you have that many followers. What makes that platform so perfect for your content? I think in a lot of ways, um, the type of work I do, as you know, VFX can take, you know, hours for like a few frames um, or, you know, even longer than that sometimes. So keeping the video short, having a site like TikTok, just like Vine, um, kind of forces you to condense your work, um, which in my, like for what I do, it's actually kind of helpful um, to make sure I don't spend too long per video uh, so I can pump out more videos, which is still not that many pieces of content compared to a lot of other creators who do more vlog-like content or uh, things of that nature. So I, I think that that uh, time restriction actually works in my favor to make sure that the concepts I'm working on aren't too long or too convoluted or anything like that. So do you pretty much release every video that you make or is it like for everyone that gets released, there's like 20 that have been shelved because you just- Yeah, <laughs> so I would say one out of every five videos that I make for my own channel, um, I end up not completing. But for the majority, most things that I set out to make, I, I try to finish out. Um, a lot of content I do is for other clients, not necessarily for my own channel. So about like maybe one out of every three videos I make is for one of my social accounts. Um, for the videos that you're making for clients, are you still uh, kind of starring in them or is it they give you the footage or they give you kind of a prompt and then you do the visual effects work? Like what does that collaboration look like? Yeah, uh, definitely the latter of what you said there. I, uh, I do a lot of stuff where clients will come to me with footage they already shot or in a lot of cases, they need help uh, figuring out how to shoot stuff for visual effects later. Um, it doesn't necessarily feature me, but more so what I what I do in visual effects. And um, so I do a lot more post-production on those videos than production and post-production. Gotcha. So would you say the majority of, are you doing this full-time? The Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. How do you describe what your role is? Do you just say I'm a visual effects artist or? Yeah, I think for, for general, 
sake, I, uh, I definitely just say visual effects artists to cover grounds like overall. I definitely um, would say visual effects artists with a like leaning towards social media content. Um, and I would say that covers about 90% of what I do. Mm-hmm. I do other stuff outside of that, but that definitely is what I find myself doing on a, on a day-to-day. When you hear people say special effects, when they actually mean visual effects, do you kind of like twitch a little bit and want to correct them? <laughs> I used to. I, I don't know. I, I just, uh, I've noticed a lot with people that it's just kind of an entertain, interchangeable phrase, especially if you're not in the, the world of visual effects. So I, I seem to be more forgiving with it now than I used to be. <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, I still want to correct because I love special effects and special effects artists and visual effects and visual effects artists and like, if people are asking questions, I want them to understand, but it right. does seem like it's a battle that you're not going to win. Like, I, yeah. should, I should follow <laughs> your lead and just move on from it. <laughs> I, usually I know what people are referring to, um, but I, I definitely understand the confusion. Yeah, totally. Uh, so would you say the majority of your income comes from you doing, I've seen you do some cool sponsored posts and collaborations, but you're also doing like these client projects. Is it 50-50 or more the client projects that are paying the bills? Yeah. Uh, last year, I would say it was about 50-50, right? Uh, 50% coming from the sponsored posts going on my channel, 50% coming from content created for other clients, uh, whether that be musical artist brands, whatever it may be. Uh, this year, it seems to be like a 65-35% split, more so towards the sponsored stuff, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, because for me, ideally, it would be taking all this content that I am already doing and just making it more personable and more about my own account. Um, that's that's kind of the goal of what I'm, I'm doing right now. You'd probably prefer to work on the sponsored content because it's still a little bit more yours. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Cool. How is it when you get approached by these big brands? I, do they do they find you? Do you have a management agency? Um, yeah, so I do have a manager. Um, I have an agent who helps me with all these deals. I would say about 80% of the current deals in those scenarios are, are coming from me uh, to him to help me kind of work through them. And mm. about 20% come from him to me. Um, but either way, it works out great because he's super good at negotiating you know, the cost of said project timeline, stuff like that, things I definitely uh, lack a skill set for. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I was freelancing, um, I would always under quote and just feel comfortable and happy that I would get the project. And then I started working with this other um, motion designer artist and he would quote like, maybe 10 times what I was quoting and maybe like, you know, 40, 50% of the time, the clients would just say yeah to that number. So it's like, it's helpful to have somebody who's maybe more comfortable, like negotiating, going through the paperwork and like higher, higher numbers overall for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that's a big uh, thing for myself is I'm so bad at everything negotiating that uh, bringing a manager on, especially right now in my life definitely seemed like the move. Yeah. And I, I like the idea of just a little separation from you like doing the creative work and then someone just handling like the negotiations and numbers. Like it exactly seems to like it lets you do what you want to do a little bit more. Uh, for finding your manager, did you just realize that you needed it or did your manager reach out to you? Yeah. So after um, the collaboration I had with Westbrook, the company that um, produces a lot of Will Smith's uh, social media content, I had a lot of different agencies kind of reach out about managing which was a good problem to have because there was a lot of 
different offers being put on the table. And mm-hmm. I just went with the company that made the most sense, not only numbers wise, but uh, consistency and like reliability, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I, I'm pretty happy. I, I'm with Whaler Stars. Um, I've been with them for little over half a year, I think at this point. Very cool. Uh, so you started, you got really big at Vine. You were doing some stuff before that. Awesome. Got a, a lot of followers, huge amount of attention. And then Vine just disappears <laughs> off the face of the planet in 2017. I got to assume like we're very YouTube focused. A lot of our tutorials are on YouTube. That's where our big fan base is. And if somehow YouTube just disappeared, I feel like we would we would lose a lot of our value. How did you feel? What did you do when Vine disappeared? Yeah. Um, so for I think the most obvious thing for me was, okay, now that uh, Vine is over, what is the most logical transition, right? Do I move most of my content to Instagram? Do I try longer form? Totally different aspect ratio on YouTube. Um, because for, for me, up to this point, most of the videos I was shooting were horizontal, uh, traditionally, you know, 16 by nine aspect ratio cut down to a square for Vine. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you know, it's very different from what TikTok is now, mostly all vertical. Um, but as far as, um, sorry, that was a rabbit, rabbit trail. Um, <laughs> besides, besides that aspect, um, the client work I've been getting and the connections I was making were pretty firm at that point. So even though Vine was coming to a close, I still had those connections that uh, luckily for me, uh, transitioned into Instagram and uh, other avenues in creating content for other brands, not for my own social accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that aspect wasn't affected too much by the closing of Vine. However, obviously the this, the sense of having an audience dwindled very quickly when uh, Vine was announced to shut down. So for me, my biggest um, point of focus after Vine was Instagram uh, and then from Instagram, uh, TikTok. Yeah, and you're doing great on Instagram. You have uh, 133,000 followers, uh, a lot of support there. But TikTok definitely seems like the platform where you've just gained a lot of traction very quickly. And obviously in the news, there's been maybe a little like fear flashback of TikTok disappearing just like Vine did. So (laughs) are you having any of that? Like, are you watching like the updates and like refreshing the news pages? Are you just like... Personally, I'm not too worried um, regardless of what happens. If TikTok is actually banned, then I'll just, same thing, I'll just transition to a different app, most likely back to Instagram kind of as like a fallback until yeah. something else works out. Um, but uh, I don't know, I have, a, I have a pretty strong feeling it's not going to be banned. Um, either way though, kind of like when Vine shut down, it, I, I, I just had to kind of refocus like what is my goal with uh, these videos on social media? Like, am I trying to get more client work out of it? Am I just you know, posting stuff for fun. And, and I kind of find myself now in, in a, um, a mix of those two where I, I, one out of every one or now one out of every three videos or so I'm creating videos just for the fun of creating videos. Uh, another video would be like a sponsored video that goes on my page. And then the next video would be a sponsored video that doesn't have me in it at all. I'm just doing visual effects work for uh, a different brand or client or whatever. Mm -hmm. Totally. Sorry. Again, just another tangent right there. Dude, yeah, every like I assume ninety percent of the people listening, like they want their creators, they want to be doing this stuff. So going off on tangents and just talking about talking shop, that's exactly what they want to hear. Awesome. Sure. So get into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you released, I think it's called Life Forms. Uh, yeah. 
I think that might have been the first, probably not the first video you've done that I've seen, but I think that was the one I was like, oh, I got to see all the rest of this guy's work. I just really love the style of it. And I think it got, it has like 70 million views on TikTok and probably a couple million on Instagram as well. Um, but you've, you've transitioned a little bit from that style, but can you tell me a little bit more about that piece? Yeah, definitely. So for me, up to that point, uh, there's a bit of lull in my creativity. Um, on Vine, I was doing, like you said, more of this like visual magic um, kind of content. And then after Vine ended and I was just kind of posting on Instagram and that's it, um, I was kind of in this creative lull of not really knowing what I wanted to post. I like doing uh, visual effects pieces that were specifically just like outrageous visual effects that had nothing to do with like magical. There's no groundedness to it. And at the same time, I also like posting these like magical videos. Um, and I was kind of in this space of, I didn't really know what I wanted to post. And so that video in particular, I remember I was just sitting on the couch and uh, thinking through a video concept. And then I was like, well, it'd be cool to do something where I'm either a real person in a cartoon world or a cartoon person in a real world. And I was like, well, why don't I just do something where it's like, I start as a, a human who gets consumed by this cartoon, you know, object and then it kind of just loops, right? So the loop is something I also, I also very much uh, enjoy doing with my videos, having some form of loop in it, whether it just be audio or visual or both. Uh, so for that video, I was like, okay, why don't I do something where it starts real, ends up being a cartoon and somehow comes back to being real. Um, and for me to do that, uh, I was like, well, it'd be cool if it was like, not necessarily venom, but that kind of idea of something kind of consuming you. So if you've seen the video, uh, if you're watching this, it, it's the one where I grab like this this uh, cartoon ball out of the screen and it kind of consumes my whole body. And then I, I get fully like engulfed inside of it. And then another me comes up behind and same thing happens. Um, so for me, I thought that was a simple way to kind of act on that idea of having a little real world, little cartoon happening at the same time. Granted, I'm not that much of a, um, a 2D animator. So everything with the cartoony aspect is a lot of tracing, you know, and outlining myself where, where I am in real life. And for the, uh, the few frames that things are happening that can happen in real life where I'm like pulling myself up, that's kind of, you know, I was trying to base it off references and stuff like that, that I could piece together. But yeah, anyway. I love, yeah, that video is fantastic and I've always loved it. Um, and I think only recently I watched the breakdown video that you posted as well, which you kind of, you you find that very cool space shot of like the floating water ball and you actually use that as a reference to kind of trace around and get like that natural movement into the ball because the standard sphere just didn't look good for you. And I like right. that, not, not just the technical stuff, but also kind of like why you chose to do this. Um, I really like that kind of breakdown and that format for videos. Um, talking about breakdowns, I've noticed that more and more breakdown videos from like different visual effects artists and animators, they seem to do really well. People seem to be very drawn to the process of how this thing was created. Are you seeing, um, are you seeing like a lot of potential VFX artists like being drawn to you because of the breakdown specifically? Yeah. So I've noticed, like you said, there is a much higher demand, it seems like, for the breakdown of the visual effects piece rather than the visual uh, effects piece itself. And so it's very tempting for me to just want to post like a, a visual effects video and immediately after post the behind the scenes video, because uh, I've seen so much success with that on TikTok in particular. And I've noticed, like you said, like a lot of 
other visual effects artists curious about what's going on, but even more than that, a uh, larger audience of people that are just interested in the process of things, like even things they would never try. So, you know, you might be interested solely in baking and you watch this video because you're like, oh, that's really cool how I put it together. I'm never going to try it, but you know, it's really cool to see. Mm. Um, so like I was saying, it's a, it's a very tempting thing for me to just focus on that. Um, however, I don't want to become solely a tutorial guy. So I am trying to moving forward, uh, kind of break away from doing behind the scenes for every video uh, and go back to what I was kind of doing, which was like maybe one out of every three or four videos giving a breakdown, but trying to leave the mystery there for some of it. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if you've seen uh, Curly Life Kid. I think that's his name. Uh, he does, he kind of, he almost spoofs that format of like the breakdown of the visual effects stuff. Yeah. Where he took, I don't know if you saw the Bambi one where he took, he like rotoscope Bambi out of Bambi. So good. Oh my God, it's such a classic. So for yeah. for those of you listening on the podcast, you have to look up Curly Life Kid. He takes um, the... Bambi from the movie Bambi animation, he rotoscopes it out or removes Bambi somehow and then puts on a green screen suit and acts like he's controlling Bambi's limbs. And that's how <laughs> it was made. So it's kind of spoofing the the visual effects breakdown. And oh my God, I love that guy's work. It's hilarious. Yeah, his stuff is genius. Uh, all his stuff's pretty funny. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so what is your day-to-day -day life like? Are you constantly, I mean, I know you have a kid, you have a wife and you're doing these videos. Are you overwhelmed? Are you balanced? I, I want to be balanced. <laughs> I'm definitely <laughs> overwhelmed for sure. Uh, a lot of the time, uh, my wife and I kind of worked out a thing where I, I usually watch the kids in the morning. So we have a, a two-year-old son and a seven-month-old son. And so I'll, I'll hang out with the kids for the first part of the morning. So my wife can just like, you know, sleep in if she needs to, because especially with the seven month old who's up sometimes at all hours of the day and night, um, she'll get herself ready. And, and once it's usually around like 10, 1030 AM, um, I'll go ahead and start working for the day. And, uh, you know, I work from home, which is definitely like a big blessing. So if I need to help my wife out with the kids, I'm right here. So I can always take a break and go do that. Uh, but my schedule is super flexible at that point forward. So my day might be done at, you know, like three, 4 PM, or it might be done at 10 PM with a bunch of breaks in between. Um, I don't really have a, a, a cutoff point for hours, but I do try to cut myself off. Um, after like eight to 10 hours of work a day, I try not to push past that unless it's like a, a really quick turnaround for the project, uh, that needs to be turned in that day. Uh, and those are usually things I try to talk to, uh, with my wife about before, you know, taking them on. Give her the heads up a little bit. Yeah. Like, Hey, this project's going to require this much effort. It pays this much. Is it worth it for you? For me? Right. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. Make her a nice dinner. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So you get to work from home, which is I, a lot of people don't have a choice, but for a lot of us, like I like the flexibility of being virtual, being able to work where I feel most comfortable. Um, and that's also, really effective for your platforms being on social media. And that's where most of your content is seen. Are you still drawn to doing things like short films or getting into more traditional filmmaking or do you, or do you know you want to be social media filmmaking kind of thing? Yeah. So I actually went to college uh, to pursue more traditional, you know, pipeline um, filmmaking. And it was through that experience. I realized I, I actually preferred doing the social media route. Um, 
I do definitely want to be a part of like big feature films at some point in my life. Just right now, I don't really have the drive for that. Um, Something to me is very satisfying about having a very small crew of like one to five people putting something together within a day, two days, three days, and turning it around and seeing people's response right after. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, the the pieces that I'm usually most proud of take the most amount of time. Um, but at the same time, like the, I definitely find a lot of joy in, the, in that fast turnaround um, aspect that is creating short form content online. Um, but not, not to say that to rule out doing feature films and longer pieces of production. It's just uh, right now I definitely enjoy social media for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm very similar. I like, like, I, yeah, there's a draw to the big, the feature films and, um, you know, doing maybe a TV show or something, but also I know myself, man, I'm going to get sick of that project. Like yeah. if it lasts two months, I'm going to be like, what am I doing? I'm so over <laughs> this. I want to go, you know, have fun and try something else. So yeah, being able to have an audience and just knock something new out every day or every week or even once a month to me is more appealing. Yeah, I definitely agree. So you mentioned you went to film school. Uh, How would you say your knowledge now, um, uh, what percentage of your knowledge that you utilize on a semi-daily basis is from film school and what's self-taught? Yeah, so um, I definitely learned most visual effects things outside of school. So they, they were great at teaching me like organization and collaboration and things of that nature. Um, But they, they didn't really focus on visual effects probably because that's not what the program was kind of designed for. Like I said, definitely more traditional pipeline kind of stuff. I learned a lot more, you know, terminology, things like that for being on set, um, what the workflow would look like. Um, But as far as visual effects, I learned most of that through watching YouTube tutorials, watching, you know, Andrew Kramer tutorials, uh, just testing stuff out with my brothers growing up and friends and things of that nature. Um, and, and just realizing problems that would come about because of that and having to address it with creative solutions when I couldn't find a tutorial for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely, I would say that 95% of all visual effects stuff I learned was through tutorials online, trial and error. And um, um, actually there were a few friends I had in the film program that did visual effects. So I will say some of the friends I had in the program inspired me to pursue different kinds of effects more, maybe venture a little bit more into the 3D realm of things, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the actual program itself definitely more taught me the, the discipline of being organized, things like that. It sounds so silly, but just, you know, having a file structure throughout my hard drives, um, that's something I learned from college. I didn't really have before that. Um, yeah. But yeah, for the most part, uh, YouTube is the place to go. Awesome. Um, so what, what would you say the most useful stuff that you got from college? is yeah um i w- will uh as far as like visual effects and filmmaking in particular um definitely the friends i made there i definitely made a few friends that i keep in contact with today um that we just you know have passions for filmmaking and things of that nature um but outside of that um organ organization skills for sure mm-hmm. uh terminology sounds kind of silly but a lot of things i would have no clue when i watch behind the scenes and and uh, being on film sets myself, I would have no clue what they meant if it wasn't for film school. Uh, it definitely helps, you know, the efficiency of um, being able to communicate on set, things of that nature. Um, yeah, I would say probably that. That's yeah. not, doesn't sound organization. Like and, yeah, I mean, it yeah. does sound like film school. So I didn't go to film school. I went to college for something completely irrelevant to what I'm doing now. But it was good for networking. That is yeah, what got yeah. me into visual effects and filmmaking is because I happened to have a roommate who was doing it. So 
I think okay, that cool. that for sure is like an important factor. It's, you know, unless you're on set, you're not necessarily going to be seeing and meeting other people. So, yeah. And I would say for what we do as visual effects artists, like a lot of times people ask me if they should, you know, pursue a, a traditional like college education for visual effects um, work and things of that nature. And I would say if you're going to a school that's dedicated to visual effects, not filmmaking generally, I, you know, I'd encourage it. But other than that, I feel like there's so many valuable resources that are either relatively cheap compared to college or free online. Like Mm -hmm. that's definitely a good avenue to begin with without going through, you know, student debt and things of that nature. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'd I'd say like, almost any little bit of knowledge you want. If you have the self-drive, you can find it online. And then some things that you obviously just can't accomplish online, like, you know, I I don't want to say human interaction because obviously, you know, you and I are doing a Zoom interview right now, but still like that, that networking component and meeting people, to me, it's better in person if you can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So you, I know you use After Effects primarily for your visual effects. Um, what other software, what other resources do you utilize? I would say 75 to 80% of all the professional work I do is accomplished inside of After Effects. Uh, but slowly over the last two years, I've been using Blender more commonly for uh, my professional projects, uh, usually for things that incorporate adding, you know, 3D elements into shots, um, more complex projection mapping um, that can't just be accomplished with one or two planes, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say those are the two primary um, resources I use. I use Premiere not so frequently since most of my videos are one take, you know, or maybe two shots altogether. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that would would probably answer that question. Where do you finalize your sound? Do you use Premiere for sound or do you do that inside After Effects? Yeah, so for most videos, I will move into Premiere for sound design. Um, As I learned early on, After Effects is definitely not the place to (laughs) try to mix or do anything with my audio. Um, If I'm in a real time crunch for a personal video, not a client video, I may finish it in After Effects just out of the the rush of trying to push it out. Um, But that I I do not advise that. Yeah, I I agree for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, do you do dynamic linking between After Effects and Premiere or do you just export out of After Effects and import into Premiere? And I did dynamic link for a while. I ran into too many issues uh, from doing that, that I now 95% of the time, I'll just, I'll just export it to be safe. I'm the same way. Like I yeah. love the idea of it and it's, sh- it should be like uniform and like it's After Effects, it's Premiere, it's Adobe. They should right. be friends. Why can't they be friends? <laughs> Um, but yeah, just exporting is just a little bit easier for sure. Yeah. Uh, what would you say? So you're diving into 3D a little bit more now than you were before. I, I really like the idea of like 3D projection mapping. Instead of just using planes, you can get yeah. more custom shapes and stuff. So that's a cool way to remove objects or subjects from your scene. Um, what would you say your weakest point when it comes to filmmaking or visual effects is? Oh, absolutely. Um, I would say my weakest aspect is usually with taking the proper time and effort I need on set, on location to um, get the take I'm looking for, getting the the performance I'm looking for, especially when it's just me. Mm-hmm. I sometimes will perform something out and out of whether it be, um, you know, laziness to, to put it one way or, or, or just, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think about that. Usually it comes down to me just being lazy when I only take like three takes when I should have done another three or four to make sure the performance was right. Mm. Uh, but fixing a lot more things in post than I need to because I'm not taking adequate time 
uh, capturing it on camera. So for me, I would say that's probably one of my weaker um, aspects for sure with filmmaking. When I'm shooting something, if I, it's a visual effect, I find myself getting too caught up in like the technicals, like making sure I have all the stuff to stitch together the visual effect shot, right. whatever, like, or the, making sure I get the right clean plate in the right place or whatever, that I forget to pay attention to the performance itself. So I'm like, I forget to direct in a way. I start just becoming like a VFX supervisor. Yeah. Um, which, and I'll do, I'll do pieces that require me to move in a certain choreographed way. And I'll focus more like, like kind of like what you're saying, focus more on making sure I get to my certain marks, right? More than the actual performance of getting to said marks, the in-betweens of those, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think for me, that's something I've been learning more over the last two, three years, uh, um, trying to make the performance itself more believable, better put together uh, and focusing still the same amount, but make it less obvious. I'm focusing on just hitting marks. Right. Yeah. Walk, 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 stop, yeah. turn, walk, 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 yeah. <laughs> exit screen. Yeah. Uh, what would you want to focus on that you're not really doing in the coming years or do you, are you really comfortable with the content you're pushing out and want to keep doing some of the same? Yeah, for sure. I'm really happy um, with the stuff I'm currently doing. I, I'm trying to learn more character animation, creature animation, stuff like that, because I, I really am not good at that in, in the talking 3D, 3D space. Yeah, okay, cool. talking about 3D. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I can do really rough modeling of stuff for projection mapping. I can do, um, I feel pretty confident with UV unwrapping, texturing, things of that nature, lighting. Nice. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to like animating actual organic matter, I'm definitely uh, not very comfortable in that. And I want to be comfortable in that for the sake of digital doubles and things of that nature, which I would utilize uh, a lot, I feel like. Mm -hmm. um, like I did that one video where I'm flipping through the bed, mm -hmm. which is a very rudimentary animation on myself because um, the motion blur and things of that nature, it, it could be. Um, but I want to become more proficient in that for sure. For 3D animation, so you're using Blender for pretty much all your 3D stuff. Are you using like Mixamo for animations or motion capture suits at all? Yeah, so I want to get into motion capture suits. I don't own one yet. I'm seriously considering buying one this year. Uh, we'll see. But up, up till now, if it's a more complex motion um, that lasts for more than just a few frames, I'll go to Mixamo for the base of that animation. Mm -hmm. um, if it's a simpler animation or it only lasts for a few frames, I'll go ahead and just hand animate it. It really depends on what the, um, the video calls for. Gotcha. Very cool. Yeah, I have uh, the Rococo suit, which I haven't really used all that much, but they just came out with the, the hand I sensors. Saw, yeah. And I'm yeah, like, that great. to me, that's the missing piece. Like now I feel like I, I'm going to force myself to use it like once every two weeks at least and just push out like some short video just yeah. to kind of get comfortable with the workflow. And I think together you're looking at 34, 33, 3400 for all of it, the mm -hmm. suit and the gloves. So Something I, I, more I, reasonable than you would get for like most other suits. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm definitely considering it. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. Let me know if you get it, man. Uh, hopefully I'll have a couple steps ahead that I could provide some guidance. That'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah. And if not, I'll just ask you how to do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, are you ready for some speed questions? Let's do it. Awesome. All right. Caleb, what is your favorite video game? Uh, Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild. I don't think I've ever even heard of that. Is that Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild? Oh, okay. Is that what platform was that on? Is that Switch? Okay, cool, 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 cool. I played A Link to the Past. That's like way old school Super Nintendo. <laughs> it's got like the aerial view, but man, I love that game. 
Still 2D. never beat it. I got, yeah, I oh, got wow. 2D. Yeah, I got to go back. I wanted to finish Ocarina of Time, and I made it to the Water Temple, and I just gave up. I think I might try to go back and finish that. Now. Yeah, maybe you still have your save point somewhere. There you go. <laughs> Dive back in. Um, who is your favorite all-time magician? Uh, probably David Copperfield. Cool. Yeah, I love magicians. Like, I feel like they recognize that they really have to have their style and like their presentation. So it's cool. Right. That it's not just a good trick. It's also, it's the presentation. Absolutely. Copperfield, obviously fantastic. Classic. Yeah. Um, if your only car for the rest of your life was like an old dinky school bus, still functioned, still ran, okay. or one of the original mini Coopers, what car would you drive? I'm, I'm going for the mini Cooper. Mini Cooper. You fit two kids and the wife in that car and well, drive okay. around. Okay, if it has to, if it has to be a family, I'm not vehicle. saying you have to Definitely drive them the... around. That's on you, man. Wait, wait, wait. So, I can only have one vehicle, no matter what. Like that's I can't add on to it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Then I'm choosing the the van for yeah, sure. You already called the Mini Cooper. I'm 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 taking it back. Yeah. <laughs> Your kids are going to see this in ten years. They're going to go, "Come on, man! Yeah. Trying to road trip without us." <laughs> you guys can sit on the top. That's right. Um, you enter a labyrinth to the left. The way is dark with fog. It's overgrown with vines to the right. It's icy. It's snow covered, but there are footprints in the snow. You don't know who caused them. Which way do you go? I'm, I'm going to choose the right. I seeing the footprints, uh, would instill a certain level of confidence. Um, you know, might end up in my death, but there you go. Just knowing someone else went that way, yeah. you feel like comfortable. Cool. Yeah. I might do the same unless there's like blood droplets or <laughs> like an axe being dragged behind the footprints that or something. That would have been an important detail to add earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, how good are you at juggling? Terrible. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> can, you do, can you do three? You can't do no, three? No, I can't even do two with one hand. So. I thought that's like a prerequisite, man. Thought, you would assume so because it yeah. seems like a lot of these visual effects artists can juggle, but yeah. not me. Not okay. Maybe next year. <laughs> Circle back. <laughs> um, if you could be fluent in any other language, what language would you speak? Probably Spanish. Um, then Italian after that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pretty similar languages. So if you got Spanish yeah. down, you can kind of get Italian pretty quickly, I think. I yeah, I feel like the crossover wouldn't be too bad. Yeah. Have you done much traveling? Um, not internationally. I've traveled internationally maybe eight times in my life, nine times in my life. Uh, nationally, I've traveled uh, quite a bit, especially the last like three, four years before coronavirus. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no one's doing much traveling now. I, I, I have not flown since February, I think. So yeah. 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 Yeah, I had to cancel a couple trips, unfortunately, but I'll yeah. make up for it. I am a homebody. So for me, uh, when a lot of trips were canceled for work projects, I, I wanted to be disappointed, but at the same time, I was like, oh, okay, great. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> relieved, definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Caleb, thank you so much. Uh, can you tell all the viewers where to find your work? Yeah. Um, so on Instagram or TikTok, um, it would be Caleb Natale, all one word, no spaces on uh, Twitter. I post there a little less frequently. It would be Caleb underscore Natale. Um, yeah. And YouTube, which I will slowly be getting into in the next coming months. Um, I think it's just like slash Caleb Natale. I could be wrong. If you type in Caleb Natale, it should come up. So. Yeah. I hear you with like YouTube and TikTok and Facebook and it's like 16 by nine, nine by 16 yeah. square format, like extended square. And it's like, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I don't know. Fine. I'll just post like to stories and to TikTok for this one, YouTube yeah. <laughs> and Facebook for this one. And like, they got to get their act together, man. 
hundred percent. It's it. I should just like work on a camera that's just a giant square, and then you can pick from within the giant square what you want to post. Yeah, black magic 12K. Start you go. with that and just scan however you want. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks a lot, Caleb. And uh, yeah, man, maybe we'll connect in like a year or so and see where you're at. That'd be awesome, man. Thank you. I appreciate your time. You got it. See you, dude. Bye. Thank you for listening. And remember to make it awesome.